Chapter Fourteen of Forest Days by G. P. R. James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Fourteen. There are some days of life when everything appears to combine to heighten the hues of happiness, when not only the sensations in our own bosoms and the circumstances of our fate are all bright and cheerful, but when every external object, every feature in nature's face, seems to smile and every sound to be in harmony with our feelings. But such hours are too precious to be many. Blessed is that life which can count two or three of them, and it has been often remarked that as at some seasons of the year a peculiarly fine day generally announces the approach of storm and tempest, so do one of these bright intervals in our cloudy existence precede a period of sorrow, trouble, and disaster. An hour after daybreak, on as sweet a morning as ever dawned, in the midst of the magnificent scenery of the forest, Hugh de Mothama and Lucy de Ashby stood by the side of their horses, ready to mount and depart. Love gave its sunshine to each heart. Lucy's bosom beat high at her deliverance by her lover. The assurance of her affection, the delight of her presence, the increased hope of obtaining her, rendered his sensations not less joyful. The yellow morning light spread sweetly overhead. The old grey Saxon building rested calm in its ivy robe behind them. Every blade of grass was sparkling with a thousand diamonds. Every air wafted the breath of the sweet forest flowers. Every tree was tuneful with the song of the birds. It was like some happy dream, when imagination, stripping life of its stern realities, revels supreme, and decks the brief moments of sleep with all the boundless treasures of her airy kingdom. A step nearer to the lodge stood the bold forester, his fine muscular limbs clear and defined in his tight-fitting garb, and his nut-brown hair curling round his thoughtful forehead. A faint smile hung upon his lip as he watched the two lovers, leaving them to proceed as they would without interrupting them with courtesies. It seemed as if he was reading a pleasant book, of the truth of which he might have some doubt, but which yet interested and amused him, for Robin knew the world too well to suppose that such happiness could last long, but yet his mind was of that firm and hardy nature which clouds not the present with cares and fears of the future, but extracts from every hour its honey, and leaves the rest to fate. When Hugh de Mothama had placed Lucy on her horse, he turned to bid their host good-bye, frankly holding out his hand. "'Farewell, my lord,' said Robin, taking it. "'We shall soon meet again in busier scenes, if I judge right. But where is the guide I promised you?' "'Why, Tangel, Tangel, where are you?' And he raised his voice loud and somewhat sternly. At his last call the dwarf crept forth from behind the house with a bent head and crouching posture, like an unwilling dog, approaching his master slowly, and eyeing him askance. "'What now, what now?' said Robin Hood. "'Did I not give you orders? Where is the horse?' "'I would fain not go,' replied the dwarf. "'Let me stay with thee, Robin, let me stay with thee. Send smooth face, send white skin, send Harry the page. If the fool can't take care of himself and must have a boy to lead him about the world,' like a blind beggar, send young pork-flesh with him. Why should he take me? 
"'Nay, my good friend,' said Hugh de Mothomer, seeing the bold forester about to speak somewhat angrily, "'let the lad stay with thee. I shall find my way well enough. His only fault is loving thee well.' "'Those that love me obey me,' replied Robin Hood. "'And, my good lord, he must do so, or never see me more. It is not alone to guide you through the forest I send him with you. You must take him to Hereford, and keep him till we meet again.' You will find him faithful and true, crafty and active, though he shows himself so unruly at present. And in these dangerous times it may be of great service both to you and me that you should have someone with you who knows every man in my band. I may have to convey intelligence to you, and to the good lord your uncle, for I gain a knowledge of all that takes place throughout the land which my lord of Leicester, with all his power, cannot attain. It is needful that you should have some means of knowing which messengers are really mine, and which are not, for these are times full of deceit, and human cunning is more busily at work than the world ever saw, I believe. If anybody comes to you in my name, call for this boy, and make him tell you whether he be one of my people or not. Go, Tangel, and let me hear that you have done your duty. Come, my boy, come, said Hugh de Mothma speaking to him kindly i will try to make thee as happy as may be and thou shalt love me whether thou wilt or not good sooth i love thee well enough replied the dwarf though i have no weakness for men in purple jerkins i love thee well enough though not so well as him but what must be must be poor tangel has always been fate's football well i will get the horse so saying he stretched out his long arms put his hands suddenly upon the shoulders of Lucy's two maids, who were standing close together, and vaulting over them with a leap that made them both scream, he bounded round the angle of the building, and soon reappeared, leading a small brown forest horse, furnished with saddle-bags for his journey. As soon as the whole party were mounted, the outlaw approached the side of Hugh de Mothomer's horse, and, looking up in his face, said a few words to him in a low tone, which seemed to excite some surprise. "'Indeed!' exclaimed the young knight. "'But are you certain?' "'As certain,' replied Robin Hood, "'as of that being a magpie in the tree.' "'Then you must have taken some means to delude them,' said Hugh de Mothomer. "'Not I,' answered Robin Hood. "'I always leave fools to delude themselves. "'They are sure to do it more cleverly than I could. "'However, it was necessary that you should know the fact, "'so I tell you. "'Now, God speed you, sir. We shall meet again soon.' In a moment or two after, the little cavalcade was moving along through the glades of the forest, Tangel riding on before, in somewhat sullen mood, followed at the distance of about twenty yards by Lucy and her lover, with a discreet space between them and the maids who followed. The pace at which they proceeded was not quick, for those were hours which two at least of the party would willingly have spun out slowly a fine golden thread which they feared would end only too soon but why should i pause upon their happiness why should i relate what each said to the other the stream of human pleasure except when it falls in the fierce cataract of passion is so calm and smooth that there is little to describe let each one bring such a moment home to his own breast let him fancy himself riding by the side of her whom he loves best through scenes as fair with hopes as bright, and his own heart will present him a better picture 
than any which my hand could draw. They soon emerged from the deeper part of the wood and wound slowly on through the mingled savannas and copses which occupied a considerable part of the forest ground, till they came upon a high road running from Nottingham to some of the Yorkshire towns, with a finger-post, which is a much older invention than is generally supposed, marking the various paths towards Mansfield, Southwell, and other small places within the meres of the forest. To say the truth, Hugh de Mothimer, with a true lover's forgetfulness, had never remembered to give their dwarfish guide any orders as to the direction he should take, and the first thing that called the necessity to his mind was the question which that finger-post mutely put to the traveller. "'I fear, dear Lucy,' he said, "'that Lindwell is not far off, "'and thither I suppose I must conduct you direct, "'although it is sad to bring such happy moments as these to an end.' "'I fear it must be so,' answered Lucy with a sigh. "'My father will be anxious, you know, till he sees me again, "'and I must think of him before myself, Hugh.' "'But if it be on his account that you would go to Lindwell,' replied her lover, "'you will be disappointed, dear Lucy, for he is not there. "'Judging hastily that you must have been carried off by some emissary of the king's party "'in order to detach him from the English cause, "'he and your brother have, I find, gone on in the direction of Gloucester likewise.' "'Oh, then I will not stay at Lindwell all alone,' cried Lucy gaily. "'I should be as melancholy as one of the rooks that haunt the old trees round it. "'And besides,' she added, "'perhaps not ill-pleased at having a good excuse to go on under her lover's protection. "'And besides, who can tell what might happen? "'The foreign party are strong in Nottingham and all the neighbouring places, "'and I might have to put on armour and defend Lindwell against an army. "'No, no, you, if you are a good knight and true,' "'you will guide me on to seek my father till we have found him. "'By my sooth, I would rather have remained with the blithe foresters "'than be confined to Lindwell with all the chances of these evil times.' "'The reader may easily suppose that Hugh de Mothimer was not at all dissatisfied with Lucy's decision. "'And as he was one whose heart was no way faint, "'he doubted not that he should be able to guide her safely and well to her father's side.' although he could not conceal from himself, and would not conceal from her, that there were difficulties and dangers in the way. "'You put a hard task upon me, Lucy,' he said, laughing. "'What mean you, uncourteous knight?' she asked in the same tone. "'This is the first time that I ever met a gentleman unwilling to guide and protect me with soever I went. A mighty hard task, truly!' "'No, by those bright eyes,' replied Hugh, "'that is not the task I speak of, "'but it is to persuade you "'not to do that which I most wish you would. "'I mean, dear Lucy, "'that I must dissuade you from going on, "'though to ride beside you thus "'for two or three days more "'were worth a whole year of, of any other part of life. "'But I cannot let you choose without telling you "'that there is many a peril to be encountered "'between this and Gloucester.' "'Gilbert de Clare, whose faith has long been doubtful, "'it is now ascertained is ready to take arms against de Montford. "'Indeed, he may already have done so. "'And one thing is certain, that in the Forest of Dean "'armed men are gathering thick, without any known object, "'so that the way is dangerous.' "'I have no fear, Hugh,' replied Lucy, "'so that you be beside me. 
and moreover we can get some men from Lindwell. I would not stay there alone to be Queen of Cyprus, so that my only choice is to go with you, or to put myself at the head of the best troop I can gather, and then, like an errant lady, seek my way without you. Nay, then, if such be your will, answered her lover, there is no choice for either of us, though perhaps your brother may frown, and even your father look cold. There is still, however, a chance that we may overtake my uncle at Torwell, and if we do so, his grave company and stout men-at-arms will save us from all danger, and all reproaches. At all events, he will leave some four or five archers behind him, trusty soldiers at one's need, and if we can get as many from Lindwell, I would undertake, with care and forethought and good precautions, to guard you uninjured hence to Palestine. "'Oh, how pleasant!' cried Lucy. "'Let us go, Hugh. Why should we not go? I think every woman should make a pilgrimage to Palestine before she marries.' Hugh de Mothama, however, thought it would be better to reverse the proceeding, and, marrying first, make the pilgrimage afterwards, if they liked it. So he told Lucy, nor did she say no, and putting their horses into a quicker pace, he directed their dwarfish guide to lead on towards Torwell. Passing by Arnold, and skirting the edges of Thorny Wood, they crossed the Lind not far from Basfort, at which little village they paused for a moment or two to water their horses, towards nine in the morning. At Torwell, however, they found that the Earl had gone on, leaving six archers behind him to await his nephew's coming. Here a longer repose was necessary, for though Lucy, trained to hardier habits than ladies affect in the present day, was capable of enduring much more fatigue. She was still a woman, and might well feel somewhat weary with a four-hours ride. The time they passed at Torwell flew quick away, and they were speedily retreading in some degree their steps towards her father's castle. Great were the rejoicings at Lindwell to see her safe returned, and every man would have gladly accompanied her to guard her by the way. The defence of the place itself, however, was not to be neglected, and as Lucy was resolved to proceed that night, six stout men-at-arms were chosen from the rest, and being quickly mounted and accoutred, their party once more set out with four hours' clear daylight before them, taking their way towards the frontiers of Derbyshire. Onward they rode, with light, gay hearts, the spirit of adventure and enterprise itself adding something to all the manifold enjoyments which are crowded into that day. The boy Tangel had by this time dropped into the rear, being no longer necessary as a guide, and, to say truth, although Hugh had spoken to him once or twice as they proceeded, absorbed in his own feelings towards Lucy, he had taken but little notice of his absence from the front. When they had left Lindwell, however, some seven miles behind them, the boy urged his horse up at a quick pace, saying, "'On your guard! On your guard! There are men coming up fast behind!' And turning round, Hugh de Mothama perceived some six or seven persons galloping down from a hill at the distance of about half a mile. Lucy paused to gaze likewise, and as the pursuers came nearer, she exclaimed with a look, it must be owned, of no great pleasure, "'It is my brother, Hugh. I am sure that it is allured on the black horse.' "'I think so, too,' replied Hugh de Mothama, drawing in his rein. "'But even if it be not, we have nothing to fear.' 
The little party of horsemen who were following came on at full speed, and certainly not with the most peaceful appearance. But every stretch of the horses showed more and more clearly the form of Allured de Ashby, and at length, after slackening his pace a good deal, as if to examine the group which was now waiting his approach, he rode up with a countenance expressive of less pleasure than might have been expected at seeing his sister in safety. "'How now!' he exclaimed. "'What is all this? Why have you turned your back upon Lindwell, my good lord? And whither are you having the great kindness to conduct my sister?' "'To overtake Lord Ashby, my lord,' replied Hugh, "'who has gone on towards Gloucester, we find.' "'Methinks, sir,' answered Allurid de Ashby, "'that Lindwell Castle were the properest place for you to conduct her to, "'after having so dexterously found her, when no one else knew where she was.' "'But suppose, Allurid,' said Lucy, ere Hugh de Mothama could utter the somewhat sharp rejoinder which was springing to his lips, "'suppose, Allurid, that your sister did not choose to be so conducted.' "'Suppose, after visiting Lindwell, she thought fit to ask this noble gentleman "'to guard and protect her by the way till she overtook her father?' "'Doubtless he was very willing,' answered Lord Allured, with a sneer. "'Beyond all question,' replied Hugh de Mothama, in as cool a tone as he could command, "'and not more willing to do so than justified in doing it. "'But you were pleased just now to make use of a word which must be explained.' "'You said, sir, that I had found your sister "'where no one else knew where she was. "'Do you mean to imply that I did know?' "'Good faith,' replied the hot young nobleman. "'It is not for me to say whether you did or not. "'It is mighty strange, however, "'that you could discover her in the twinkling of an eye "'as soon as her relations were gone.' "'Not half so strange,' said Lucy, "'interposing once more in terror for the result.' "'as that you should show yourself so ungrateful, Allured, for his having found me. "'Instead of giving him deep thanks, which are his due both from you and me, "'you seem as angry as if you had wished me to remain and perish in the forest.' "'Well, well,' said Allured to Ashby, a little ashamed, perhaps, of his irritable heat. "'This is all waste of words. Where were you? What was the cause of your being taken away? What has happened to you?' Three questions in a breath!' exclaimed Lucy, "'each of which would take an hour to answer fully, even if I could answer them all. "'As to the first, then, I have been in the forest. "'As to the last, I reply, a good deal has happened to me, of which I will tell you at leisure. "'As to the middle one, why they took me away? "'My answer must be very short. "'I do not know.' "'Perhaps you do, sir,' said her brother, turning to Hugh. The young nobleman looked him straightforwardly, and, somewhat sternly in the face, answering, "'I do.' "'Then pray explain,' said Allured. "'You will excuse me,' replied Hugh. "'I shall first explain the whole to your father, as he is the person who must act in the business, and as I bear a message to him of which he alone can judge.' "'Mighty mysterious, my good lord,' cried Allured. "'But as I am now present here, and am going with all speed to overtake the Earl of Ashby, "'my sister will no longer need your kind protection.' "'But as we take the same road,' said Hugh de Mothama, "'it will be safer for all if we travel together.' "'Fie, Lurid! In common courtesy!' exclaimed Lucy. "'But her brother interrupted her petulantly, saying, "'These are times that abridge courtesy, Lucy. "'I differ, my good lord,' he continued.' 
I judge that it will be safe for us to travel apart. With our two troops united, we form a body that cannot escape observation, and which is yet too small to make a good defence. I therefore think that it will be better for us to separate. Thanking you much for the assistance and protection you have given to this lady, and waiting with devout patience for the explanations which you have not thought fit to afford, I will take one way if you will take another. Hugh de Mothama bit his lip, but though quick and fiery in his own disposition, he was acting under a restraint which made him bear to the utmost, rather than quarrel, with the brother of her whom he loved, resolved that it should be no act of his which placed a barrier between them. Without making any reply to Allurid de Ashby then, he wheeled round his horse to Lucy's side, asking in a low voice, "'Shall I go?' "'You had better,' said Lucy, with a sigh. "'You had better.' And then, raising her voice, she added, "'Farewell, Lord Hugh. I at least am grateful, and so you will find my father, I am sure. Farewell.' Thus speaking, she held out her hand to him, and Hugh de Mothama, pressing his lips upon it, turned his horse, and bade his men follow him, without offering any salutation to the ungracious young nobleman who had brought so happy a day to so unpleasant a close. Taking a road which lay somewhat to the north of that which Lucy and her brother were pursuing, he advanced towards Gloucester, keeping nearly upon a line with the other party, and gaining from time to time some information of their movements. Towards the end of the fifth day's march, his little troop approached the city in which he expected to find his uncle. But at the small town of Charlton he received intimation from his host that if he were going to join the army of the great Earl of Leicester, it would be well for him to take a large circuit, the road between that place and Gloucester being somewhat dangerous. "'Gilbert de Clare,' he said, "'our good Earl keeps the Forest of Dean with some five thousand men.' and we just this morning heard that the young Lord of Ashby, who left last night, has been taken with all his company. His sister was with him, too, pretty lady, but some say the young Lord was not unwilling to fall into the Earl's hands. At all events, he was well forewarned, for we told him what would happen when he set out. Hugh bit his lip, mused for a moment or two, and then murmuring, "'It is not impossible,' mounted his horse, and rode away, taking the road which the host had pointed out as the most secure. End of chapter 14